Today's episode contains explicit language and conversations around sex, human anatomy, menstruation, and personal experiences. We advise that you don't listen to this in the company of little ones or anyone who may be uncomfortable with these topics. Hey, sugars, come on in and take a seat. You're listening to The Honey Potluck, a podcast about sex, health, and thriving. I'm your host, B. Dixon, co-founder and CEO of The Honey Pot Company. And I'm your other host, Javon Alfieri, The Honey Pot's director of digital. Ooh, now let's dig in. Welcome back to The Honey Potluck. I'm Beatrice Dixon, here with my co-host, Gigi. Hi, Gigi. Hi, BB. <laughs> <laughs> so our last episode was really beautiful, you know, because we talked about sex education and the lack of it. You know, we talked about, you know, how we look at our bodies, how we think about pleasure, you know, and it was a beautiful conversation, but I'm super excited about this conversation today because we're talking a lot to trauma you know, when you talk about trauma, you also need to also be talking about healing. You know, so I'm, I'm so excited because we're focused today on the trauma and healing, um, especially around sex education, you know, and how we look at our bodies. And understanding that there's just such an immense power in that recognition, whether it's the power we own in our own sexual narrative or reframing those experiences that we've had, really igniting our value as humans and from a place of from a place of deep knowing and awareness, right? Exactly. Because we all know we're in our bodies, you know? We're experiencing them all the time. And Zoe just has a really eloquent way of sharing her story, which can also help people to feel comfortable, you know, because all of us have been through so much, right? You know, I've had sexual trauma happen to me in my life, you know, and I know a lot of people have. And what that does to you when you've been, especially if you were a young person like I was when that happened to me, it really creates this kind of backflow of information that you don't understand. I was thinking about sex way earlier. I don't want to say than I should have been, but because I was introduced, you know, but because it was introduced to me at a young age, it can create a lot of trauma. I'm grateful that I've been able to work through that trauma and be at a place now of like forgiveness. I think this conversation with Zoe really helped me to, you know, to kind of look at my own experiences and also help me to respect her work and what she does even more, you know, because not everybody's so willing to talk about that. No, in fact, we all shy away from it. Like even, you know, even you and I who are historically very boisterous and open books, there is always a threshold and there's, there's mm-hmm. often a mindfulness about what spaces we're choosing to occupy with those conversations. And while I think that that's important, right, there is decorum, sure, but it is really important for us to not feel disempowered or unhuman or what the, whatever the hell it is because we have these story, stories, be them extremely positive or sadly, you know, more, more traumatic. And I think what's so interesting about a human like Zoe is that not only does she have a, a, a clear relationship with bo- her body and her vagina, but they are also her 
tools for exploration. Her her job mm. relies on that that dynamic. And so I think it was interesting that we were able to get into a conversation around reconciling that, reconciling the trauma, reconciling the differences between pleasure and work and all of these things in a way that is, you know, both educational and very much grounded in her own story. Once again, we are speaking with Zoe Ligon, a sex educator, author, and owner of Spectrum Boutique. Join us to hear the final part of our conversation around trauma and how we learn about our bodies and pleasure. We have all been conditioned in yes. many ways. What we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're doing, what what we've been taught, it's teaching us. Unless you're doing self-work to be untaught those things, it's actually quite hard to not be ashamed of it or to not think that it's dirty. You know, so and so in some ways, I'm empathetic to humans that may feel shame or guilt, or or want to inflict shame or guilt, or don't understand, or think that certain things are nasty, you know, or or just haven't opened themselves up to that because they they just haven't gotten to that place in their life. And there's a lot of humans that may never get to that fucking place in life, right? I'm still unlearning, you know. I think it'll be a, a lifelong process. I think what you're both punctuating as well, which I think is really interesting and probably, again, we could sit here for hours and talk about it, is the difference between sex and sexuality, right? Mm -hmm. So sexuality being this kind of self-ownership and Mm -hmm. this identity that you possess and that you're moving through and you're learning and you're deconstructing taboos and expectations and conditioning. And then similarly on the other side is sex, which is the act of that unification or that experience or what have you. And so it's... they're actually two things that need to be treated separately. Now, can your sexuality show up differently in sex? Of course, but it's that thing that is ever evolving, which is the act of sex is kind of the same unless you're Mm -hmm. like, you know, of course you're exploring it in different ways, but fundamentally it's the same. The thing Mm -hmm. that's changing is your sexuality and your expression. And I think that that's really important to sort of pause or, you know, or like I said, underscores is merely because that's the thing that's kind of in flux and Um, is also connected to your sense of self. I think that if we had a more realistic awareness of like how wetness doesn't correlate with arousal, erections don't correlate with arousal, all of that, I don't think it would be such a thing. I see why people feel like, oh, this is personal. In In the same sense that I can think back on the times when a partner wasn't getting erect and I took that very personally and Today, I don't. Yeah. And that was only because all I had seen in society is like, well, p- sex is a penis going in a vagina. And so if it's not hard, like, what can you do? As, as if there aren't like a million, in my opinion, more fun things to do <laughs> that don't involve wetness or erections. Like, yeah. Uh, it, c- it, could involve, it could involve a couple of vaginas. It can involve a lot of things, you know, hands, mouths body touching rubbing i mean honestly there's there's so many things that that can happen and and to your comment and this is um a, a, another like gendered book but the book girls and sex by peggy orenstein is a really wonderful read about like the socialization aspects of gender mm. and how it impacts sex and something i do recall reading from that book is that like it is heterosexual 
couples that that are struggling the most in this arena because they are just following this like default template script. Whereas if your sexuality is already like, you're like, uh, mainstream movies and romantic comedies, what, this is fucked up and stupid or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. If you're all ready to be like, that's not my thing. There's a greater likelihood that you are doing a bit more soul searching to figure out what you do like. Exactly right? Like how did you learn to build a relationship with your vagina? Because I'm sure that you're kind of reconciling your relationship in a lot of ways, right? Like at times it's this vessel for your, your purest of pure pleasures and exploration. And then similarly, it is also a vessel or a tool for education and entertainment. So how did you learn that? And then what is that? Like, do you create boundaries between those two things? Mm, That's a good question, Gigi. You have the best questions. Thank you. I mean, part of the reason I love talking about this is because I did not have a great relationship with it up until Mm -hmm. I was an adult. I didn't have my own bedroom until I was, uh, I shared a bedroom with a parent until I was like 12. So there was no time to explore my body. And I was just very sexualized as a child. So a lot of my youth was about being like as unsexual as possible Mm. um, while inside my house. So honestly, trauma, you know? I was having partnered sex from age 14 onwards and did not masturbate until I was 19. And it was sex toys, you know, surprise, surprise. That's why I love them so much. But like to this day, like I'll certainly use my hands sometimes, like, but I'm a toy person. I want to use toys over hands when it comes to my masturbation, at least. And it was really sex toys that got me acquainted with my genitals in every Mm. way, shape and form, like including my butt, you know, Mm. Um, even just using new types of toys teaches me things about my body or like using a menstrual cup for the first time taught me so much about the cervix just by like the insertion and removal process. Totally. Yeah. So I feel like the tool aspect of the sex toys is how I was able to connect with my genitals. And to this day, it still is. How did you get through, because you are hyper aware of the trauma and, you know, it doesn't have to be a, it doesn't have to be a a long, a long answer. It can just Mm -hmm. be simple. Somebody's going to hear that and think, oh, I'm dealing with trauma too, which their trauma might be, there's such a big spectrum, right? But how did you deal with that? Um, and how did you get to a place of awareness, you know, to, to understand that that's what it was and to, and to almost accept it? Mm. I mean, I'm, you know, I've been in therapy since I was a child. I'm still in therapy to this day. Mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't be able to do it without therapy. And like, not going to lie, I've, I'm on medication that took me a while to find one that worked for me. But, you know, I've certainly been on and off of medication over the last decade and Mm -hmm. have decided, you know, like it is in in fact something I need to be on. Um, But like aside from that, and that's just like my, my like straightforward, like I don't want to act like I uh, meditated it away or or whatever. No, that's, no, that's, it's an answer, right? It's your, I asked you and it's your answer. Yeah. So Prozac and therapy, but also I found some books that really directly addressed the specific 
things that I was going through. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have found those books if it weren't for my therapist. It's so different to have something be over a long period of time versus like one standout event. And like, I've had both, but there's just so many different ways it integrates into your body. And For 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 me, it's like, my diagnosis is PTSD. And mm-hmm. I didn't even have that diagnosis until a couple of years ago. So it's like, I still feel like I'm getting there given the fact that like, I used to just be like, oh yeah, I have a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh yeah, anxiety comes from this. Now I can be like, oh yeah, this is why. And I can understand the root of things. And like, honestly, I approach it with a sense of humor. And that doesn't mean I don't absolutely cry and feel like a lot of the time. Mm, That's beautiful to say that though. Yeah. I love making jokes. I mean, you know, and certainly like the context is everything, but like joking with myself about just like, oh yeah, this up, like, you know, just like trying to humor is a way we process. It is two questions, two more questions. Can you name the books? Just maybe a couple of them. And then is your therapist specific to sexual trauma? That's a great question. Um, So I'll start with the therapist question. She is not specific to trauma, but I did a lot of research in finding her and, you know, just like read a lot of reviews basically to be like, okay, this is a person I'm not going to have to explain like BDSM to, you know? Right, right, right. Um, And I think psychology today can be a really great resource for that. And if you are looking for a sex therapist, the ASECT, A-A-S-E-C-T, website has a great list of therapists, counselors, and educators that are certified as actual therapists and counselors that you can talk to with those Mm -hmm. more personal questions. The two main books I would recommend for people who are like not sure exactly what aspect of trauma they want to, when you're still like trying to figure out how Mm -hmm. you want to approach it, Healing Sex is a also a book that's really geared in like a a, a cis female lens. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there is something valuable for everybody in that book. A book that is a little bit more open-ended is actually a very, very short book and kind of like a comic book. And it's called Trauma is Really Strange. Mm. And I don't know about you, but I can't make it through like a 300-page trauma book. Girl, get the fuck out of here. I can't make it through a 300-page anything book. No. The Body Keeps the Score is another book that a lot of people find very valuable for mm. thinking about how trauma that physically shows. Yeah, if it, how it physically shows up in our body. And, you know, we do physically hold uh, anxiety, you know, sometimes in our vaginas. Yes. Well, yeah, people forget that the vagina has a microbiome, which is comparable to the gut. And so Mm -hmm. everything that's happening there is a manifestation of what's happening here, like in your brain and elsewhere. So it is, you know, it's hugely impactful. And then when you have... The, the trauma that it or that you know it happens in a multitude of ways your your vagina also can suffer from PTSD so there can be yeah, yeah. there can be physical things that are triggering exactly. or the way someone approaches you can be literally a um, representation of the trauma that you experience at some juncture so I mean yeah. it's it's real I think one of the kind of ongoing themes here, although sort of subtly, I don't think that any of us have said this, but I'm certain we all feel this way, is just like 
the idea of self-love and what that means and what, you know, self-awareness actually, even like those two things are so intimately bound together. But, you know, so we know that your journey was what it was and clearly you're very much still on it. Still unfolding. Yeah, that's right. But can you talk us through how pleasure has been an act of self-love and self-care and um, beyond the sort of obvious, right? Like, yeah. We all know the serotonin boosts that come from yeah. orgasm, mm-hmm. but like really going almost like a layer deeper and understanding what that means. Yeah. When I w- was adult and living on my own, it was like, I was like, oh, this is like what puberty is like for other people where you're just like wanting to masturbate constantly mm-hmm. any number of ways. I would still say that is very much about how I feel about it. It is just like a nice way. It's like a necessity, but it's also an indulgence in the sense that like food is a necessity and also an indulgence. Mm -hmm. And food is a very, I mean, that is chemically doing a lot to your body and you're feeling, you're feeling yourself. Um, But for, for me, I think it's like, obviously food and sex have a, a lot in common in the, in the sensory aspect. Yeah. I think like just trying to get out of my head is really the, the main goal at the moment because mm-hmm. it's it's hard to masturbate or have any kind of sex or any kind of pleasure when you're in a rumination thought spiral anxiety world but i i really like to just like spend an entire day watching horror movies or mm-hmm. playing video games and taking hour long baths and not masturbating in the bath, just soaking, mm-hmm. um, not forcing myself to have sex or masturbate when I'm not in the mood. So I feel like pleasure for me has been like appreciating the good things instead of focusing on like the intrusive thoughts of my mind. It's almost like a meditation for you. Definitely. And I I also am really into hiking and mountain biking. And I I feel like those are similar things where it's like clearing my brain requires an active motion like that. Mm. So whether it is like challenging myself to masturbate in a new way or with a new or the lack of a stimuli like porn or whatever, I like trying to push my own boundaries and like really head on, try and address things that even things that scare me, I like Mm. to really kind of go full force into those things, you know, safely as I can, as I can. But I like, I guess I like being confrontational with the things that are difficult in my life. And like, that is like how I get to the pleasure by kind of like just tackling them head on. That's really powerful. So we actually have to sadly wrap up here, but what I did want to do is I have one final question for you before we go, which is this idea of like, how can we transform our relationship with our collective vaginas, right? So Ah. we're looking at the whole swath of humanity here. Uh And what does it mean to transform that relationship? I think it's important for us to not beat ourselves up or feel this personal shame for what we don't know or are still learning because it is a systemic issue. Mm -hmm. And until there are large changes in the world we live in, we even as educators, we can really only do so much to empower people on an individual Mm -hmm. level. Seeing yourself as any type of a failure or feeling any kind of shame for what your sex life is or isn't like, or, you know, if it exists at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that treating the vagina as a 
part of a holistic body and also the specialness of what it is on its own. But, you know, it is, you know, on the theme of embodying and not dissociating, like, yeah, seeing your vagina and vulva as like a part of you and not something that you are interacting with because it's like, it's you. Mm -hmm. It it is you. All the humans with vaginas in the world are connected anyway. We're all going through the same. All the humans in the world are connected. We're all going through the same all the time. We just put ourselves in our own little bubble, but everything is connected. Every one of us are. Yeah. And also just like all of our genitals are more alike than they are different. Exactly. Yeah. Regardless (laughs) of someone else's genital configuration, I think there's still a lot we can relate to and commiserate with, uh, you know, even if it's not exactly the same and everyone's body is unique. It's just like, we're all going, we're all going through the same thing more or less because of the overall messages we have all been taught. Even if you grew up in a very private community of some kind or whatever, like Mm -hmm. I, it's kind of impossible to escape the messages were sent from media and like the world and culture around us. So mm-hmm. don't blame yourself Yeah, and just have an open mind, I guess. <laughs> open mind, open vagina. <laughs> open mind, open vagina. <laughs> well, thanks again, Zoe, for being here. Um, we'd love to share with our listeners more about um, what you do, where they can find you. Well, uh, Spectrum Boutique can be found at spectrumboutique.com. We have an educational journal where I sometimes write the articles, but mostly I'm just the editor. That is spectrumboutique.com slash journal. The shop's Instagram is Shop Spectrum Boutique. I personally am Thongria on every everywhere you want to find me on this. That's a fantastic name. And what else? Carnal Knowledge. My book is definitely for sale at Spectrum Boutique, but you can also find it wherever books are sold. Well, this has been such a pleasure, Zoe. We're really grateful for you and your time. Thanks, B and Gigi. This was great. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your energy. Anytime. And thanks for your freedom, man. You you are a big bubble of free. And I think that it's beautiful. Thanks. It means a lot. Like, really means a lot more than you know. Thank you. Take care of yourself. So, B, obviously we're now on... Episode two, part two, the nuggets, the truth, the information has been dropped. I mean, at this point, kind of seeing the arc of it all, did you have any major takeaways or how are you feeling? Like, what do you think? What do you think about this? I think that I love how vulnerable Zoe is willing to be. You know, like when you hear about people who may have some sort of an addiction, It's not easy to go and get help with that from people who don't understand what you're going through. The fact that Zoe has such an interesting, you know, interesting story about a lot of the things that she's gone through, the way that she really shared her experience with sexual trauma, the way that she shares how that kind of informs her business Mm -hmm. and her books and her education and everything that she does. I just think that it's really beautiful and really responsible. You know, I think it opens up the door for people to feel comfortable to be able to learn from her. For me, that was the biggest takeaway. 
Yeah. I thought what was cool about the way that we sort of um, capped our conversation was, you know, this question around like the collective and collective vaginas. I thought it was so interesting that she, you know, likened it to, to being a systemic issue that there's only so much an educator can do to empower and elicit that, that change. But it really is about at the individual level, taking ownership. Yes. Like I, funny, I was, I just was talking to my therapist and well, one of them anyway, <laughs> and um, it's hilarious, but I'm, You've got I'm a whole team. You've constructed I a do. whole team. I know. I You've- do. I do. I do. And I, and it was my trauma therapist and that part of my life in that trauma session came up. You know, and I I talked about what happened when I experienced the sexual trauma that I did, you know, and I said something around the fact, around the lines of like, they didn't make it to my vagina. And she was like, but B, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, it it was a sexual trauma either way, you know, like, just because it didn't involve all the parts of your body doesn't mean that it was the right thing to do. Doesn't mean that it was appropriate. You weren't of the age to Mm. make a decision. You know, I never really thought of it that way. Like it was almost like I was trying to make myself feel better. I'm just really grateful that we were able to have this conversation. You know, one thing that you just noted, and thank you so much for sharing your trauma and, or sorry, your journey, right? And and being able to to express that with with candor. But one thing that I want to say is that sexual energy is a real thing, right? So like, we're all so excited to recognize it when it's positive and it's something that is mutual or mutually agreed upon or something that we want. But when it's the the reverse, meaning that it's you know driven by exploitation, um, power, um, and abuse, uh, we don't identify it as that, right? We don't see that sexual energy is enough to equate abuse. Um, and I just wanted to say that out loud because just because there is not a human who is physically touching you or you know penetrating you or what have you, there are still thresholds of abuse and trauma that can happen just by being sexualized. Um, and so I think it's, it's a very important thing to mention. Thank you so much for joining us on this final episode of our series with Zoe Ligon. We hope that our discussion about sex education, trauma, healing, and the relationship that we have with our vaginas was super powerful and insightful. As you know, we're so, so passionate about these conversations and want to keep having them with you. So please make sure to tune in to our next episode as we dig deeper into sexuality, sexual identity, and all of that meaty goodness that we know you love. We know that this conversation covers a ton of topics that you're likely extremely interested in, and Zoe drops some great hints around resources and books that you likely want to read and research on. So please check out the show notes below for links on those books, including Zoe's book, and or head to our podcast landing page on thehoneypot.co. Thanks for listening to The Honey Potluck, a podcast by The Honey Pot Company made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, B. Dixon. And I'm your co-host, Javon Alfieri. We're so grateful to have you here. We love you. Mean it. Thoughts and experiences recounted in this episode are hosts' own. Our producers are Alana Herlands and Nathan Tower. Laura Boyman is our associate producer. Sydney Evans is our dialogue editor and mixer. A major thank you to everyone who makes this podcast possible. Thank you.